You're listening to media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. We are a multi-generational, Jesus-centered community of Scripture, faith, and grace located in Tallahassee, Florida, on the campus of Florida State University. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. We hope that the next few moments are a time when God speaks into your life by the power of His Holy Spirit about His Son, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three, and One who comes in order to bring us healing in the midst of our sickness. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we started off today with me asking you what you were like when you were, when you're sick. And a lot of us know kind of that feeling. We know kind of how we get when we're sick. There's some people who just sort of, you know, they, they get very private. They go off by themselves. They're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be sick. Uh, they, there's, there's people like me who uh, I'm just a terrible person to be around when I'm sick because I moan and I groan and I make this big production of how horrible I feel. And so my family just says, you need to leave yeah, go someplace else, and 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 so I, I kind of you know I, I do that. I, I find a soundproof room someplace, uh, and and uh, you know my my thing is when I get sick for whatever reason, I always watch the movie Braveheart, um, and, and the the reason is is that uh, when I was in college, I watched that movie so much because I had a roommate who was very into his being Scottish. And so we would watch that all of the time. And because of that, I know that movie forwards and backwards. And I can fall asleep while I'm sick and then get up. And I haven't missed a thing. I could probably even tell you all of the lines. Well, that's how I am when I'm sick. But how are, how are you when you're sick? I mean, what do you do? Are, are you kind of a whiner like me? Do you have a, you know, a specific comfort that you go to when you're sick? Uh, are you somebody who, you know, you, you sort of tough it out, you, you try to let, not let anybody know that you're sick? We all have different approaches to what it feels like to be sick. And all of those approaches are ways of our dealing with that sensation inside of us, of that sensation where, well, we know that something isn't quite right. In fact, if you look on the website of the World Health Organization, they go as far as to define what it means to be sick. And basically, the World Health Organization's definition of what it means to be sick is that you notice that there is something that is not right, something that's a illness, something that is caused by some sort of physiological feeling in yourself where you go, oh, this just isn't good. And that feeling shows up throughout the four readings that we just took a look at. And so it shows up, first of all, in, in the book of Lamentations. The book of Lamentations that I think is, is sort of like the credits to the book of Isaiah. It, it's like you've watched, not the book of Isaiah, the book of Jeremiah, I'm sorry. Uh, you've, you've watched the entire book of Jeremiah, and, and you've, you've listened to Jeremiah moaning and groaning, and it's a really hard book to read if you haven't read it before, because all he does is he moans and he groans, sort of like me when I'm sick. And then... 
he gets to the end of that and Israel is going off into exile. Israel is being carried off by a foreign nation to a different place. And as these credits are rolling, he's sort of singing this mournful song. But right in the middle of this mournful song, there's some hope. And that's what Blake read. Almost right exactly in the center of that book. In the center of that song that is lamenting the fact that there's something wrong, there's this mention of hope that God is still faithful, that God will still bring about something great in the life of Israel. And then we move on to the psalm. And in the psalm there we we find that there's kind of this thing going on where we hear about somebody's mourning turned into dancing. And we kind of wonder, okay, what's that all about? And the the superscription on that psalm tells us that it is a, a psalm of David when the temple was dedicated. Now, what scholars think is going on in that psalm is that uh, David has been told that he, he cannot build the temple, but what he has done is he has purchased the land in order to build that temple. God has told him, I don't want you to build it, but you can buy the land. And so he buys the land and he goes, now... I feel like I've got a moment. I feel like something is right. I feel like I'm not just this sort of military king, but I'm also somebody who has just purchased land so that God can have a temple at the center of our nation. And that's what that psalm is all about, this, this sort of back and forth between God and him where God made him powerful and yet hid his face from him in that he wasn't allowed to build the temple. And he felt like there was something wrong there. And yet, in the midst of that something wrong, there was hope. There was this moment where, okay, I I can buy the land. And and he he would know later that his son was the one who was going to build that temple finally. And and then we move into uh, Paul's fundraising letter. Paul's fundraising letter in 2 Corinthians 8, where, where he's basically shaming the Corinthians, who are super-duper rich, by the way. Uh, like, the Corinthians are, are just, uh, just elaborate folks. They, they have all of this money. And then he, he's comparing them with the Macedonians. And, and he's saying, you know, these Macedonians who have, like, zero money, they are, are building up all of this money in order to give to the church in Jerusalem. And you Corinthians... You've got money coming out of your ears, and what are you giving? Nothing. And so Paul is, again, he, he's pointing out, hey, something's wrong. Something's wrong. If all of these poor folks are, are given to this, this cause that we have, and, and all of these rich folks are not, well, something wrong. But that there's hope. There's hope, and that's why he's writing to them, that, that they can contribute to that cause, that good things can happen as a result of what they are giving. And then it all comes together in in this gospel reading, this, this crazy gospel reading. It's the only story in all of the gospels that's like this. It's a sandwich. 
And so you've got a little bit of a parallel in the Lamentations reading, where you have there, you've got a sandwich. In fact, what you've got going on in the book of Lamentations is that you have five chapters in Lamentations. In chapters one and two, you have 22 verses. In chapters four and five, you have 22 verses. They're the same. They're like the bread on the sandwich. And in the middle of that, you've got the meat. And the meat is all of that good hope. Well, here in this gospel reading, you've also got one of those sandwiches. And it's this sandwich that is these two women that are talking to Jesus or being talked to Jesus about. And so it starts off with Jairus. He's got this 12-year-old daughter. And so he comes up to Jesus. Jesus, I've heard great things about you. I've heard that you can heal people. And my daughter, she's about to die. I need your help. And Jesus says, all right, let's go. And so they start marching off to Jairus' house. And as they're marching off to Jairus' house, they're being followed by this huge entourage. And that's where we get the second story. We, we get the, the meat of the sandwich. And the meat of the sandwich is, is this story about this woman who also has had something going on for 12 years. But what's been going on with her for 12 years has not, not been life like Jairus' daughter, who's a 12-year-old, but rather she has had this affliction for 12 long years. And we're not exactly entirely sure what the flow of blood is all about, but it's probably a uterine hemorrhage, which would have made her ritually unclean. It would have been something that would have put her outside of the, the... being able to be touched outside of being able to live in community with people. It would have been something where she would have felt entirely alone and dirty. And and this woman has been dealing with that for 12 years, and it tells us that she has spent all of her money trying to get rid of this. In fact, the Talmud, the the sort of thing, the, the, the writings of the rabbis that tells the people of Judah how they're supposed to deal with stuff like this. There's 11 different remedies that she would have likely tried here. And all of them to us sound sort of like, well, they're kind of superstitious. And all of them have to do with drinking a cup of wine for some reason. legitimately it's like you you drink a cup of wine with this in it or you drink a cup of wine in this place and none of that worked out and she spent all of her money and she's finally at the end of her rope and she sees this guy who's going off to heal somebody else and she thinks to herself there might be hope even if I just reach out and, and, and touch his garment, maybe there's hope for me. She reaches out and it becomes real. She reaches out, she feels 
whatever it was that she felt inside of her before, she feels that heal. She feels that get better. She feels something go from being just a hope to being a reality. And how many of us are looking for that feeling? How many of us are looking for that feeling of that moment when a hope turns into reality? When we're looking for that hope of a relationship turning or becoming something different or even starting and then it becomes a reality. Or that feeling of, hey, I, I just started off on this academic career. Or I'm just starting off a new year of this academic career. And I want that hope to turn into reality. I, I want that hope to turn into one of those funny looking hats that's square on the top. I want that hope to become a reality. Or maybe it's something else. Maybe there's another hope inside of you that you can identify deep within that you go, that's what it is for me. I want that hope to become a reality. And before that hope becomes a reality, oftentimes hope feels a little bit like sickness. It feels like something's not right. Something is not completely turn to something that is the way that it's supposed to be. A lot of times hope can feel pretty sick because it doesn't feel like it's healed all the way yet. It doesn't feel like it's cured all the way yet. There's an interesting story uh, that was recorded by this guy named Ryan Quinn in his book called Lift. And in the book, Ryan talks about he was working with a nonprofit organization and he was uh, talking to them about kind of their hopes and their dreams. And there was somebody in, in the crowd who was blind. And this lady who was blind uh, was just very hard to work with. She, she was very bitter. She was very angry. And he, he took her aside during one of the breaks and he, he said, hey, look, we're what we're talking about right now is what we want for this organization, what we want this organization to be as it becomes what it's supposed to be, as it fulfills its mandate, as it fulfills its mission. And it seems like you're having a problem with that. And the lady kind of thinks about it and she goes, I don't have a problem with it. I just don't think that this is going to happen. And Ryan said, well, why is that? Well, I've learned not to hope because you see, I lost my sight five years ago and that just has taken all of the hope away from me. So Ryan doubles down into what she's saying and he says, well, what is it that you're hoping for? And she says, I'm not going to tell you. And he says, no, no, come on, tell me. Tell me. She says, no, I, I, I'm not going to say it. I refuse to say those words. And he says, no, what are you hoping for? And he keeps on badgering her until she finally blurts out, I want to see.
And Ryan says, at that moment, she became so much easier to deal with in the midst of what they were doing. Because she finally was able to say what it was that she was hoping for. And she felt deep down inside of her that she would never see that reality on this side of heaven. But simply by giving her hope words, she was able to engage with that hope. She was able to think about what it would be like if that hope came true. And I don't know what she believed, but if you're a Christian in this room, no matter what you're hoping for, even if it's a, a cure to an illness that you're dealing with, that everybody has told you that there is no way that that's going to get fixed, I have good news for you. We believe that that will get fixed. Now, you may have to wait for the resurrection. But there's hope. And being able to speak that hope is important. Because that hope moves you away from that sensation of feeling sick of feeling like there's something that's not right and I can't do anything about it. And it moves you into this place where you go, there is something that can be done about everything that I'm hoping for. And that something that can be done is Jesus. That Jesus will fix the sins in my life. That he'll fix the bad stuff that I do. He'll fix the illness in my life. He'll fix both the bodily illness and he'll fix the spiritual illness that causes me to sin against my neighbor and against myself and against my God. There is hope. And all we need to do is to speak it like that blind lady to say, I, I believe you can fix this, Lord. I'm going to reach out my hand. And I'm going to be willing to accept what you have for me. And maybe that healing isn't going to come right away. But it's at work in you. So that on the last day, when we are raised up with all of God's people, we'll be raised up in a place where there is no more hope because it's all become reality. Amen. Please rise. Thank you for listening to this media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. If you would like to financially support more media from University Lutheran, please visit our website and click the Give Now button 
which will enable you to engage in the Christian discipline of giving tithes and offerings to God through his church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Oh, I